You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. The following is a close to the heart presentation in association with the PFC Podcast Network and has been rated L for mature audiences only. Some language and dialogue may not be suitable for members of a family under 18 years of age. Hi, I'm Jason Klaus, and this is not your typical wrestling podcast. Instead, I'm going to be joined by a revolving panel of fans and experts as we look back on the biggest matches, moments, and events in the history of professional wrestling. So grab your foam fingers, make up your signs, don't forget your fanny packs, Join us as we take a trip back to yesteryear. Join us as we take a trip in the Turnbuckle Time Machine on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Turnbuckles Time Machine here on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm being joined by a, another panel of co-hosts on this particular episode. Um, right now, we've got uh, three other gentlemen that are going to be a part of this thing. Uh, we're going to go around the horn here real quick. Uh, we're kind of piggybacking off what we talked about on the last episode, in which we we kind of d- dove into the the wrestlers, the superstars who never won a world title and probably should have. Uh, it was a very good conversation. Kind of went went into the weeds a little bit. So on this episode, we're going to kind of flip the script, as they say, and we are going to discuss the guys that were world champions. They had no business uh, being around that particular title at that particular time. I'm being joined by MWO Hall of Famer Tim Williams. Tim, it's good to see you again, sir. How are we doing? Uh, Not too bad. Glad to be back. Uh, Looking forward to this one, just like the last one. Yep, yep. This this tends to spark... uh, some degree of conversation, some degree of, you know, in some cases it could go down the controversial road. I'm sure we'll tackle that here this week. Uh, also joining us, Eric Cherry is with us. Eric, how are we doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I knew that this was going to be a conversation that you wanted to be a part of because you are very much a student of the game and especially with, with the histories of the world heavyweight championships of of the respective brands and stuff like that so i'm glad you're able to come on here this week and give your two cents rounding out the panel this week ray jackson is with us ray how we doing pal uh good now did i join like right on time because like i had the worst issues 
yeah. getting live with you guys, man. I was so mad, you know, effing mad. I don't want to curse on the show, but man, well, third why world we problems. Carry our, we, we carry our, our mature rating on this show. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I was very fucking mad. And honestly, uh, I'm very happy to come back uh, and talk with you guys further from what we last talked about. Uh, I knew Tim. I'm I'm glad. I, I mean, not glad. Uh, bummed he's not here. But I mean, what a surprise, Eric Cherry, dude. What's going on, brother? Good. How are you? Long time uh, no see. Zoom. Know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, we yeah. Tim Sheridan obviously wanted to be a part of this. However, um, other responsibilities and obligations prevented him from coming into the studio this week. Maybe. If he gets back home in time and we're still doing this, he can be a very late arrival. Um, I know he wanted to have his two cents in on this as well. But uh, be that as it may, uh, we still have an an all-star panel here this week um, on the Turnbuckle Time Machine. We are going to go back in time. We are going to look at the former world champions that should have never had that championship. And apparently, you know, when I went in and did did some research, there's a lot of different websites that have a lot of different lists in that that tackle this type of thing. And I as soon as I started seeing the titles, a lot like we discussed last week, Tim, um, what was deemed a legitimate world championship. Like, I went down some of these lists here, and they have different title holders and title reigns from Impact Wrestling or TNA, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, the original ECW. Uh, you know, like like we talked about on the last episode, I just never gave those organizations world title status. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as I see, like, an abyss pop up on on the list there i'm like all right this this is not it um i look when i think again to kind of, the kind of recap when i think about a world heavyweight champion i think about a world a world based promotion that has the capability of, of literally going around the world and um you know it's one of the big three back in in the, the 80s and Going into the early 90s, you know, WWF, NWA, AWA. Um, Now, the NWA championship has a lineage that goes back a long time, you know, like 1905. Um, The twists and turns. Thanks, pal. Um, Twists and turns ultimately becomes the WCW World Championship. Now, the AWA title. Uh, that also had a long lineage, but as I went back and started looking at that, that one gets all, awful complicated at times too. The intermerging with the National Wrestling Alliance and all of this other shit. And when you know, Tim, when I went back and looked at like the WCW slash NWA title, like there was quite a few times that belt changed hands in Japan. And like we never knew anything about it because it was before right. the dawn of the internet. There was before the dirt sheets. There was so those title reigns may have taken place, but they were never acknowledged 
in America. And subsequently, up until recently, it wasn't acknowledged in terms of the actual lineage of the championship. Now that the internet has become a thing and people can do deep dives and pull up clips and videos and things of this nature, they have since been added to that. But you look at like a Tatsumi Fujinami who had defeated Ric Flair at, at one point for the NWA title. Giant Baba is, is another one. I, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, put those guys and their title reigns in perspective because, hell, we didn't even know about it, right? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I compiled a very short list, and I just ignored, I just ignored, all, well, for the most part. I do have a couple people. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, all the Japanese guys like that, I just kind of ignored. And, you know, you would have to get into kind of the backstage politics on why they did that. Um, and it had to be, you know, between the promoters and the exchange of talent and the the whole reason that they were over there for the reasons that those guys would win the title. And if you looked, most of those titles were very, very short. Um, so, you know, we're talking within days, maybe a week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those, those kind of things I don't, I didn't really include, um, like I said, there's a couple that that I could mention um, later on, but uh, but yeah, as, as far as the title when they would go to another country, and and it would change hands, um, I I don't even really consider that um, something that we should discuss today. <laughs> I agree, I agree, and you know a lot of it because of the reasons I laid out. We just didn't know about it, and mm-hmm. if they didn't give a shit enough, what's that? I don't even think PWI recognized them then. I mean, I think they've talked about it later on, like more recent right. issues. But like when it happened, they didn't, I don't think it was covered in any of the magazines either, really. No, and I think that was just an unwritten rule because it wasn't meant to be this earth shattering title change or anything like that. And I'll tell you what, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated really is my go-to source for anything legitimate. Like, that is the one publication that has seemingly stood the test of time in terms of this business and having some sort of documentation about the history of the business as objectively as you possibly can. You know, we all know, you know, WWE owns hundreds of thousands of hours of library content and things of this nature, but they, especially when Vince McMahon was, was running, was running things like they kind of controlled their own narrative and they seemingly left out bits and pieces of major moments in history that just didn't coincide with their narrative. Uh, So you get a, you get like pro wrestling, you know, illustrated and, there's YouTube channels now that are dedicated to things like this, which some of them I enjoy. They're very well done. Other ones, I I just want to reach in through the screen and grab whoever created this horse shit and just squeeze squeeze the shit out of them. But again, a story for another time. Um, <clears throat> the one list I did find here was from Bleacher Report, and I kind of went down. Bleacher Report is one one of those that. By and large, they can be considered a pretty reputable source, although it all depends on who's doing the writing on that particular article. It gets to be a little bit sketchy from time to time. 
Uh, but they compiled their own list of the, the, the worst world champions in professional wrestling history. And they're ones, Ray, that Abyss was on that list. Now, obviously, that's during a more current generation here, uh, along the lines of when you were watching wrestling. Now, the TNA Championship or the Impact Championship, you know, you've been on here for a couple of, of episodes. Now, you've heard my explanation on what a world champion is or what deems a world champion. Where is the the impact and TNA title on your radar. Um, well, honestly, I, I wouldn't put it like as high as the WWE title, the AEW title or new Japan, or, you know, a lot of that, uh, you did a pretty good sales pitch on like why it shouldn't be recognized. And it's funny because like, it's defended like overseas, like India and all types of stuff like that. But you, you guys know what I mean. Like, I just don't really hold it that way in my heart. And I know that's kind of a very uh, cheap way to explain it. It just doesn't have that big fight feel to it. And uh, I think in the technical term, it should be recognized as a heavyweight title or world world's heavyweight title, title that is. I, I just never seen it that way, honestly. Like, there's certain wrestlers like Kurt Angle or Sting that held the belt or AJ Styles that made the belt feel like it should be a world heavyweight title but just you know there's levels to this stuff in my opinion at least i agree with that and i guess i can i can see where there is in an argument made for tna or impact as it is now because they do do shows um across across international boundaries i get that especially you know before the current regime took over, like they had a very huge following in the United Kingdom. Uh, so on that title, I can understand. And you bring up a great point. You know, you have guys like Angle, Styles, Sting, Rob Van Dam, um, all these guys that held the, the TNA title, world renowned athletes. Everybody knows them. So they did add that that's that that sense of credibility to the title. It just seems like now the way that the, the way things are now is everything's been reduced. And a lot of that is the actual business aspect of that. Um, so TNA, I mean, could get a pass as as a world title, but you nailed it right at the top. It's not going to be held in the same regards as the WWE Championship or even AEW at, at this point, because those are the those are the big two right now. Um, so to add on to that too, also, like I have a lot of people at my shoot job will talk to me about wrestling because they know I'm a pro wrestler. Uh, and they'll ask about like, Oh, WWE, which I think it's going in a much better direction with Triple H under control now and creative. But that aside, uh, what I tell a lot of these guys when they say, Oh, WWE isn't this or that, I say, Look at the international like reach they have. Like if you go to if if you go to any country, if you can think of it, the name of a country, WWE is the main company there. And I think that is something important to highlight in terms of like what makes a world heavyweight championship. Like it's more global than any four of us could even imagine and we're all wrestling nerds. Like that's something to take into consideration, I feel. You don't have to look any further back than what they just did in, in Cardiff. 
that Clash at the Castle show, and we don't really talk a lot about the current product, but that Clash at the Castle, Clash at the Castle show that they just did was off the charts. And a lot of that was the atmosphere in that stadium. And that was very much a WrestleMania-like crowd. And on a show that, when it was originally booked, didn't have a whole lot of um, anticipation behind it, turned out to be one of the better shows that they've done this year, in my opinion. Um, and that is that that international reach because, man, those people ate it up. They were on fire for pretty much the entire uh, pay-per-view. So, or premium live event, as it were. Uh, just real quick, going back to TNA Wrestling. In the beginning, wasn't that title recognized as part of the NWA lineage? Yeah. It, yes. Yep. Oh, okay. I, did, I was just trying to remember. In it. When I when I was first able to watch it, I I really enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, um, but uh, yeah, I was just I I thought that it was, but then then I couldn't remember. <laughs> no, because once WCW took over the world title rights, like the end the the remaining scraps of the NWA were taken off the table and. That's what was relaunched with the whole TNA thing. So it was right. it, it was in an effort to establish credibility to the promotion as it got up and running. I feel like, um, but by by that time, man, like yeah, it's the belt, it's the Dome Globe belt, and that yeah. belt was worn by some of the greats, right? Funks and Race and even Flair, um, right. but. It wasn't the it wasn't the same title that it once was, unfortunately. Um, that's not that's not to say a lo, you know several different people didn't try because they did. You know you can look at the way things are now with this NWA power that they do on YouTube and stuff like that. Like they are really clamoring to try to bring back that prestige that that. Right. That promotion, that title once held. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think it'll ever get there again. Um, no, not to the level as they were then. <clears throat> so I there's I made something of a list, and uh, these are the names that popped up on my radar when I think about uh, the champions that should have never should have never been a world champion. Um, some of these. I, you know, a lot of this is my personal takes on it. Okay, there is no right, wrong, right, wrong, or other answer. It's, it's just my opinion. Because who I think sucked as champ, maybe your favorite champ of all time. I, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. Um, but like my my point of view is probably going to be different than a lot of yours. So we'll have a discussion about it. First one on my list. And I'm saving the worst ones for the last, obviously. But the first one on my list is Alberto El Rio. Now, great, great worker. Great gimmick. I just never thought he was world champion material. Intercontinental? Absolutely. United States? All day long. World champ? No fucking way. But he had, um, he had a, a couple of runs there. Eric, what's, what's your opinion on... Alberto El Rio. I kind of 
felt the same about him, and he got like like world title runs everywhere after he left WWE. Mm-hmm. Like world title, you know. That was we were talking about. He went to TNA, and I think they gave it to him. And he um, did he do Lucha Underground? I think he held their title too. But like he said, like, that's fine out there, but WWE, like on the main stage, uh, no, not buying him as a world title holder. No, certainly not. Tim, where where does he uh, sh- show up for, for you? So I saw his name uh, on some of the lists because I, I kind of looked through a list too. Um, I just kind of skipped over anybody after a certain point because to me at that point, <laughs> it didn't really matter. Uh, they had done so much to tarnish the name of world champions at that point. Anybody after, I, I, I would have to look, look back and see up to what champion I would decide that to. But the belts changed hands so much, uh, it, it just it doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. Like, you could, I mean, really, you could throw the belt on just about anybody in there uh, at, at, at this point. Um, so I, I, I liked Alberto Del Rio. I thought he was an effective heel. I thought he was a good wrestler, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I, unfortunately I can't really give you a, a, a real opinion on that because at, at that point I just didn't even really care. Okay. Ray. You guys, <laughs> I almost no sold you guys the whole time until the end of what Tim was saying. I love Alberto Del Rio. Like, the, I knew you does would. his reputation precede him nowadays? Probably, but like <laughs> when you look back on it, like, was it his time to be the champion? Maybe, maybe not. You could say that about a lot of guys, but in retrospect, no disrespect to people that held the belts around that time, which I think we need to define what, you know, world championship is. Are we talking like the big gold belt or WWE heavyweight title? Either way, Del Rio held yep. them both. I love the whole shtick. You guys know me. I'm a gimmick guy. Like I just loved it, man. With the personal ring announcer out with the cars every week and say what you want. Not, not a bad guy in the ring. And I think this is something that will come up a lot where you can, see these guys they're so polarizing like the fact that we can even mention the name of a wrestler in the discussion of they shouldn't have held the belt means that like we think their name means more than the belt like they you know what i mean if i'm gonna really i might be pulling a little bit here but you are i think he 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 was a polarizing character you know what i mean uh i wear gold right right at right at the top of it great worker Great gimmick. And my opinion of when he won the goddamn thing before he got into any kind of controversy outside of the business that would precede, you know, him in future runs and stuff like that. Like, I thought he was a great gimmick. I just didn't think he should have been world champion because it seems like once he became world champion, now heel champion was a lot better than face champion, but. Uh, be that as it may, he just like once once they put the title on him, it um, he it, it wasn't the same presentation. There there was something missing, 
and that you know again that's just my uh, my observation i understand where where you're coming from ray and that's why i used him first because i knew he would be a guy that resonated with you so and, and to be fair that was one of the worst decisions when he did win the belt off punk uh summer of punk that never was i i think that was a bad booking decision, but yeah, Alberto Del Rio rules. Jason, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Okay. I got uh, kicked off the podcast just now. <laughs> if I if I had a dump button here, pal, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger is one of those guys that people forget that won Money in the Bank. And cash it in to become world champion. Um, another guy, all all the tools in the world, and I feel like this. They put the title on him in an effort to bring him up to where his potential was. And unfortunately, at least in my in my eyes, it was a complete flop. Eric, what what did you think about Jack Swagger as world heavyweight champion? Man. <clears throat> Like you said, almost forgot, almost forgot he was world champion, just because it was that on, you know, it made no impact to me. Like it, such a like that guy is so good in the ring. Was supposed to be like the next angle, and it just right. <laughs> and he was another guy that had a cool presentation, especially when he had Zeb Coulter with him, and you know the whole. <laughs> if that is your real name era part of it, which I just, I, I really appreciated the presentation, but swagger, there was just, and I don't know Coulter what it was. was. Zeb was making that whole thing work really. Well, he was work. definitely the mouthpiece, you know, and yeah. that's, and you gotta, you gotta be able to verbally communicate with the audience or they're just not going to give a flying fuck about you one way or the other. Would you agree with that, Tim? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. I mean, we talked about that a little bit last week uh, on why some certain wrestlers may not have been looked at as world championship material. And that goes goes to that, too. Like some of them just just couldn't get it across verbally to to the audience. Um, as far as Jack Swagger goes, uh, I, you know, again, <laughs> Um, you know, he was kind of in the era, but I will say this, it, it, it did piss me off because they used Christian, one of my all time favorites to put him over huge, to get him to that level. And then once he got to that level, he kind of bombed out. So, uh, so that aspect of it did bother me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a case of giving him something a little too soon. I think they could have uh, built that up a little bit longer or at least tested them out a little bit longer before before they decided to put the belt on him. Jack Swagger, Ray, what's uh, what's your opinion on him? Uh, I mean, honestly, like from a mechanics standpoint, like I really like him like 6'5", 265. He can go corner to corner really fast in the right place at all times. Like he's a great worker. It just shows like the real definition of like how much a character can hurt you or help you. 
in a lot of ways. I, I, I think back of uh, when I first broke into the business, uh, I debuted with Backwoods Bam Grizzly, if anybody knows that fine fella. Uh, I thought, I'm, I'm going to wrestle just like him. And I, I had to find a time in my career where I realized I can't keep up with this guy. He is incredible in the ring, so I got to kind of twist my gimmick more and be more of a cartoon, like a, like a parody of a heel or something like that. And I, I think that's something a guy like Jack Schwagger really lacked. And if he had something like that, like like you guys mentioned, Zeb Coulter, that was like a layer on to like his character. But if he could have just really grasped it like Alberto Del Rio did, he would have been one of the best. Not really, but you know what I mean. All right. You know, you look over the uh, you look over the course of specifically the WWE Championship. That title goes back to, to 1963. And you look over the lineage of, of that particular championship, and you see several names that pop up that were transitional champions. Okay? It, it started with Bruno Sammartino, and then Vince McMahon Sr. famously decided that he didn't want San Martino to be champion anymore. He wanted Pedro Morales to be champion. Both of them super over baby faces, and you can't have baby face versus baby face at that time. So they had to insert a transitional champion in the form of Ivan Koloff. Now, a lot of people in the 80s don't realize that Ivan Koloff is a former WWF world champion because of his what he was doing in the NWA at that time with Nikita and Crusher Khrushchev. Um, Ivan Koloff was a pivotal part of WWF history, even though he's not regarded as one. Um, another guy that was used as a transitional champion, and this is a guy that I didn't think really needed to have this title shouldn't have been put in this position, even though he was utilized as a transitional champion to go from, uh, I want to say it was from back from San Martino to Backlund. I could be wrong on that. I'm going to, I feel like that's what it was, but Stan, the man so. Stasiak is a guy that, um, he would, <laughs> Tim, he was in the right place at the right time, and he had that title not because he deserved to have that title. It was strictly to be used as the meat in 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 the babyface sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, really, if if you look at almost all of these title lineages, uh, there are transitional champions and obvious transitional champions. And how long did he hold the belt? Like a week if or something that, like that? Yeah. Maybe a month. I mean, it wasn't very long. Um, yeah, such an obvious one there. Um, and I don't, and honestly, I don't know a whole <laughs> lot about him. I mean, I've seen like some older matches of him, but, um, you know, I don't even know really what level he was at before he won the belt. But, uh, but yeah, definitely a transitional champion to be sure. I would have rather them used George the Animal Steel in in that in that spot than Stan Stasiak, you know. Because George, George was a heel at that time, right? Oh, what's that? George was a heel at that time too, right? Yes. Yep. Oh yeah. George, George Steele was yeah. a big, big damn deal big back in the day. 
You know, yeah, he's he from uh, Michigan, too. He used to be a gym teacher. He actually was my mom's gym teacher when they had uh, the high school where the, I believe, the Kroger is off M59 Waterford back in the day. He's from he, Michigan? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> gym teacher. <laughs> just, Unless I, I was I, being lied to. No, I'm busting your balls, Val. I'm just I, I know. I, I know how it have, is. He may have worked at Waterford, but I was pretty, I'm pretty sure he did most of his career at Madison Heights because they named their football field after him. Really? What were they called? The animals? Oh, the Jim Myers. Uh, uh, Jim Myers. Jim real, Myers. Real name there. Right? You know what's a better name? The animals. That's, that's a way better football name. <laughs> Anyways. There was also the name of a very popular band in the 1960s, too, but oh. be that as it may. Um, no, Jim Myers was his real name. And yes, I believe you're right, Tim. I believe mo- most of it was done in in that era, area. But um, so, yeah, Stan Stasiak and definitely on my list. Another one, and this is a little bit more current, the great Kali. The great <laughs> Kali should have never. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, and they were very smart about it, too, when, when they did that. They did it to pop a rating because they that was on a tape smackdown, I feel like. And they actually leaked the result. WWE did. Leaked the result of the taping so people would tune in to, to see how he won the title. And it wasn't monumental, and you could plainly see why. I don't know about you, Ray, but anytime I watched The Great Khali, I find myself being very tense. You know what I mean? Just watching the guy walk made made me feel like, you know, if he takes a wrong step, down he goes and he's not getting back up. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we don't need everybody in the wrestling ring to be agile and jumping off the top ropes and kipping up like Shawn Michaels, but I know what you mean, that guy. Like, sometimes being big and strong isn't the best because yeah, it looked like he had problems even walking and you know, some of the best guys around really, that was a fun time, like late nineties, early two thousands plus, you know, the Kali era where like he had a lot of legends that could really get in there and bounce around for him and how hard it looked like he struggled uh, in the, in as much charisma as like a fucking doorstop or something, man. I, just not good. That that might be the worst. That might be the worst. That might be the worst heavyweight champion of all time. Besides one, I'm sure we'll you'll mention. I got two. I'm I'm saving my big two for for the end of this list. Eric, you're trying, what's, to, get, what's your... you're trying to piss me off in this podcast, huh? <laughs> get me worked up. Listen, I'll, I'll get you pissed if I want you pissed. That that is not an issue with oh, minimal like Bruce effort. Said, Bruce Richard, man, I'm 33 percent fired up right now. Give that's, 66, fine. that's fine. Hey, I'll I'll get I'll get you seventy five and two third top. That's cool. Um, Eric, what's uh, what's your opinion on Kali? Kali, yeah, they made him a champ. Like they brought him in as the monster heel, and uh, that was around the time they were the belts were starting to change hands more frequently. And uh, man, that guy just couldn't move around. Man. Yeah, and then and, and then the bell like, ring as waiting for something to happen where either he falls over, breaks a leg or something, or he hurts somebody for real. Cause yeah. like, he was not a good 
just not good in the ring. Well, hey, let me ask you guys something. Speaking of Kali, like big guys, do you think it's more that like we get accustomed to or almost spoiled to like having big good guys? Or do you think it's more like only the strong survive? Like that's why the best big guys of all time are really good in the ring. Because I don't do know mean? many like seven foot. Like none of those seven foot. No, besides like show, show could work fairly well, well I mean, but like even back in the day. Was the, the new guy now Omos? That guy's terrible. I guess what I'm getting at is, do you guys think like a good big guy is a dime a dozen, or do you think like only the best survive? Like we're we're spoiled to having like the best. Like I mean, look look at like Adam Bomb even like that guy was great. <laughs> at, well, well, you know you 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 look at guys that are seven foot tall that can that are agile that can move around the ring. You know, you you can make an argument for for Kevin Nash before he started having issues with his quads. You know, and I'm not saying that to be funny. You know, because anybody anybody that's ripped their quad once, you know, that is a very painful injury. And the fact that this dude has had to endure that a couple of times is a testament to how how tough he really is because he keeps getting back up from it. But you you look at guys that are of that size that are agile that can move around like Big Cass comes to mind. If Big Cass had a little bit more personality that he didn't have to rely on an Enzo Amore, like I saw big things with with Cass. I thought he could have been a oh, yeah. really really big star. Um, but you know you you run that risk because guys that are that big, man, like they're not made to move that way and if they can move that way it's only going to be for a limited time before something gives out knees ankles your back i mean something because your joints are just aren't made to withstand that kind of movement that kind of activity that kind of 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 punishment you know because at the end of the day we're still human now before i forget tim what what was your opinion on on the great Kali? I mean, again, for me, this falls into the era where I didn't care as much about who had the belt, but I agree with you. He gave me anxiety. When I'd be watching his matches, I would have a little bit of anxiety because of the same thing that you said. I was I was always expecting some major, major botches to happen. And I don't remember that ever really happening in his matches. But, um, but yeah, uh, I was kind of surprised that they did put the title on him. Um, but like Eric said, I mean, they brought him in as a monster heel. He had a good look. Um, but yeah, just in the ring, I mean, he, he was just not good. Uh, but going to what Ray says, Ray, I mean, if you, if you were to take every big guy and rate that every, you know, large wrestler like that and rate them, I mean, great Kali would just fall at the bottom. I, I mean, he would still be at the bottom of that list. Maybe Giant Gonzalez would be under him. I think it would be a close call. But uh, I would put <laughs> Gonzalez on the very bottom. I would put Kali at, at, up one notch. One notch above. Above I, I, Giant I, Gonzalez. I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. You know, a uh, funny story about WCW. When I was a kid growing up, we had nothing but WWF tapes at my local video store. I didn't even know 
NWA or WCW was a thing. And then they had uh, the only WCW NWA tape they had was the Halloween Havoc with like the Chamber of Horrors. And that's all I knew of WCW. <laughs> I'm sorry that that was your introduction to it. Um, I, I, it's funny you say that, and we're going to use that as as the segue into, in, into the, this next one. And Tim, this is the one I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you look at the NWA championship, and again, it goes back to what, 1905. Uh, George Hackenschmidt and, you know, all the names from way back in that era, Luthes and Bill, Billy Watson and all these guys. Then you get up to the 80s. Ric Flair obviously had a stranglehold on that championship, but every once in a while he would he would drop it just to pick it back up later on. And there's one glaring example of what I, cons- I considered like a, a turd in a punch bowl here. Uh, Ronnie Garvin winning the NWA title in 1987. And uh, he won it at a house show in Detroit in a cage match and would lose it what, a month and a half, two months later at Starcade 87 back to Flair. Take nothing away from Ronnie Garvin because I always liked Ronnie Garvin. I liked his tenacity. I liked his no bullshit approach. I, the whole hands of stone gimmick. I I dug it. I didn't see him as world champ. And once they put the title on him, you could plainly see why, right? <laughs> I I disagree. Uh, you I, disagree? I, I, I well, okay. In the in the grand scheme of things, now looking back, because of the way that that whole thing was set up uh with i mean again really that was he was like a longer term transitional transitional champion right because they wanted rick flair to win the belt back from somebody on starcade on pay-per-view so that's i mean you know that's what that whole thing was about uh they say that ron garvin never never defended the belt in that time period i don't remember if he did or not but that's not his fault Right. Uh, you know, but but he was not given an opportunity because he was just a transitional champion up until that point. And I've I've mentioned this uh, on a previous podcast a while ago, but I was a huge Ronnie Garvin mark to the point where if you look at my high school yearbook pictures, like the early days, my freshman and sophomore, I want to say I had the Ron Garvin haircut. It was and it was a very bad decision looking back. Uh, but, uh, well, it was a combination of him having that haircut and the movie stand by me coming out because a bunch of them had in there. But anyway, (laughs) I had tickets, I had tickets to that show and I don't know what happened the day that we were going to them. My mom had put them in her purse when we bought them months before, and then they were gone. Uh, we still had an opportunity to go, but it fell through. Anyway, you saw the reaction. Nice, right? You saw the reaction of the crowd in Detroit when Garvin won it. So it's not like there was not a big groan from the crowd. Uh, I I don't think that, that, I mean, the matches that he had with Flair, especially in the WTBS studio up until that point, those matches were kick-ass and they were unlike any other thing that was going on at that point. I mean, they were beating the shit out of each other on, on cable TV. Um, you know, whenever they would wrestle each other, but 
yes, looking back, because of the way that that championship was held, it, it, it hurt. And I think I've mentioned this before, too. I think more than anybody, winning the world title hurt Ron Garvin more than any other wrestler in history, possibly. That's a very good point. And I can totally see that. And you, you, you bring up great points here. If he was given a better opportunity, would he be looked upon in history as a better champion than he was? And you're right. We saw the footage of the title switch in Detroit. The crowd popped. But I remember thinking back then, and I remember having a conversation with my brother about this because we both sat there. Once we heard that this happened and we saw the footage on the on the syndicated show, it's like, okay, he there is a huge pop here, but is it because Garvin is the champion or is it because Flair was defeated? Two different things because Ric Flair was uber over as a heel at that point. But, you know, Ric Flair is always going to have a very strong fan base no matter what. Um, oh, yeah, you can definitely make a case for that as well. But but it's still it's a little different. I mean, I, I don't think because, you know, Ron Garvin was cutting promos all the way up until that point. Like Flair was, I think, involved in a feud with somebody else. But Ron Garvin would come out there and cut promos talking about how he had Flair's number and he was, you know, this close to winning the belt and blah, blah, blah. So it's not like if Rocky King would have beat him or somebody like that where the crowd would have been like, you know, what what is going on? You know, <laughs> Well done, sir. Well played. <laughs> Taking nothing away from King either. Right. Little Richard Marley later on. Honestly, Tim, like, uh, I, I, sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to. Uh, just saying. <laughs> if you guys could see the video version, but just Tim, run the whole honestly, goddamn show, Ray. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just want to say, Tim. Uh, it's like the Twilight Zone thinking of uh, <laughs> rugged Ronnie Garvin being the heavyweight champion. But I heard an episode of Close to the Heart where I believe you were on, I think it was probably a Turnbuckle Time Machine episode where you and Jason had some banter about the topic. Uh, and I just like love your fandom with it, man. Just like I'm getting into it, just hearing you like get excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I, I, I was, a, I, I mean, obviously I was a huge Ronnie Garvin mark uh, at that point, but. But yeah, but my fandom trailed off after he did win the belt. So, like I said, it uh, it affected him negatively, more negatively than I think possibly any other champion. Eric, where where was Ronnie Garvin on uh, on your radar? Um, I only really knew Ronnie Garvin when he came to WWE. Like I, Ronnie. Yeah, I learned about him later, obviously, and knew about the flair title change and stuff and <clears throat> him as like it just uh, his ring work is awesome i thought he was great worker just not so great on the mic not not a good uh mic man i mean i think you ha- kind of have to be to be the world champion so it certainly helps sell sell the tickets right because if you can't yeah. talk him into the building what what's the point yeah so, I, I totally get that um Sergeant Slaughter, I, you know, Sergeant Slaughter is another one of those guys that can be deemed a transitional champion, although in terms of transitional champion, 
he had a pretty re- respectable run from January till March of 1991, winning it at the Royal Rumble, dropping it to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania seven. Um, like storyline wise, I got it. You know, the, I, this was, you know, to go to put it into context. This was when America was very heavily involved with the, with all the bullshit going on in the Middle East with Iraq and all this stuff, slaughter, G.I. Joe himself comes in as an Iraqi sympathizer. So he's the ultimate heel. He's positioned as the transitional champion between the end of the reign for the ultimate warrior to the start of Hogan's third run as world champion. Um, He's just he's just one of those guys. I wish they had gone a different route with it. I and it kind of falls back into what we talked about last week. Like Sergeant Slaughter is one of those guys, in my opinion, that didn't need to be a world champion. He was America's champion. He was the people's champion before that was coined by the Rock and by Diamond Dallas Page. Like he truly was. And like when I think of guys that should have never been world champion. Um, Sergeant Slaughter is on is on my list. Uh, Eric, where where is he on yours? Do, does he show up? Um, I kind of like that run. Like I got it. Yeah. I was eleven at the time, so I knew what, you know we were in war and all that stuff. Which glad that they didn't revisit later on when I was in Iraq and had to go through it again. Right back then, like you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like that run, honestly. I mean, I understand it. I do. Mm-hmm. Storyline wise, it made perfect sense. I just, I, I, I'm just at a, you know, when, when I think about the the guys that shouldn't have been world oh, champion, dude. I feel like if you were to ask Slaughter, um, like, yeah, he was world heavyweight champion, a legitimate world heavyweight champion. That was something that he had always wanted, but. Knowing knowing the stories now of all the bullshit that he had to go through yeah, in terms, uh, you know, the death threats and having to hide his family and stuff like that, it wasn't really worth it. Well, I mean, right. it depends on what you're putting your criteria on, right, Tim? Yeah. Um, ex- okay, but I, I have to disagree with you here, too. Um, I didn't personally like the... Uh, the gimmick. I, I think he should have won it as babyface Sergeant Slaughter at some at some point in his career. Probably, I mean, it, it's possible that. It, well, no, I wouldn't have. Not with Hogan in there, but um, but he was right. He probably would have been the babyface right behind Hogan if he would have stayed in there. If it wasn't for all the GI Joe stuff. Uh, but no, I. So, if you mention the name Sergeant Slaughter to a casual or even a non wrestling fan, they know who he is. Right. Um, and I think that that would e- that would even be the case if he was if he never won the world championship. So I really have no problem. I mean, yeah, it was kind of like a token, a token world championship or a, a transition. And, and I popped huge because he beat the Ultimate Warrior for it. Um, I mean, I was I was very ha- I was very happy when that happened. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that the Iraqi sympathy or gimmick but overall i i mean i yeah i i i think he uh i think he deserved 
to be world champion at least at one point in his career. We all know that that role was almost given to Tugboat, right? Yeah. Tugboat. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tugboat. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who, wait, what about Tugboat? Tugboat, Tugboat was, was the original plan to face Hulk Hogan for the world title at WrestleMania <laughs> 7 as Sheik Tugboat. Uh, if, he if was I going to be the Iraqi sympathizer. You never heard this, Tim? If you they hadn't gotten before. slaughtered. If I did know that, it got buried way, way back in the recesses of my mind. I, but I, now I, he's the shockmaster. <laughs> yeah. You wow. guys, you know, you know what's really cool about this? Just sitting back, uh, listening to this response alone about uh, Sergeant Slaughter. All three of you guys, uh, Eric, Tim, Jason, you guys all had different opinions. All three of you. And I have a different opinion from all three of you. Like, so isn't that kind of like profiling? No, or prolific or you know you know what the fuck i'm trying to say <laughs> uh god damn it <laughs> son of a bitch well, what, what are you saying your, ray what are you trying what are you trying to summon by the uh, way oh you see me playing with this uh damn puzzle box this whole damn time i don't know what the hell it does but i'll figure it out once we get off the air probably but uh anyways i i think like i agree that uh i think sergeant slaughter who who was the guy who took his place when he uh did the gi joe thing like carp carpinal pain or something he was was pretty cool right i like Uh, corporal kirshner yeah yeah but from from my uh, point of view guys i think you guys are right in a lot of ways that he didn't need the belt but i was three four years old when i seen sergeant slaughter fighting hulk hogan and i didn't even know there was a war at the time you know i'm a little kid I just remember that promo, that the vignette, where he had that raspy voice and they had the American music behind it. And, you know, for better or for worse, I'm a Hulk Hogan kid, adult right now. No matter what, Hulk Hogan, fireworks, flex, American flag. And for me, that just hit the right way as a kid. Like the video store days, I used to, oh, I probably wore that tape out so much from the video stores. Uh, yeah, so, I, think it was, I thought it was good. Yeah, and you were in the service too, Cherry, for that matter. See what I'm talking about? America in this hole. (laughs) In this (laughs) hole. Oh, shit, Ray. Um, Another one. Huh? The moving on. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's name should not be. In the lineage, uh, even the ECW title, even the WCW or the WWE ECW title, Vince McMahon's name. I don't know, man. I, I don't just, know. You don't know what, Ray? The best heel of all time, maybe. So, like, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he should be the champ. Yeah, I I didn't buy into it when when he went both times. He had a world title. I groaned. And I'm I am a Vince McMahon guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I was a big contributor as to why he made so much money. Um, but I no. The, this was not Vince can do anything that he wants. And by and large was a success at it. This was not one of those things. And it just it just did not move needle for me at all now the the whole ecw run 
when he came out with the do rag on and he tried to be, you know, just <laughs> trying to be hip, you know, kind of like the uh, get off my lawn guy that's trying to be cool. Like it was amusing to me in, in that aspect. But at the same time, like I understood, especially for the hardcore fan base of the original ECW pr- promotion, why that was just a slap in the face. And like, I understood that. And I didn't really feel like, and I kind of feel like Vince putting himself in that position was a big fuck you to the promotion, to the hardcore fan base, and maybe to some some degree to Paul Heyman himself. Um, yeah. I just, it, it, this just did not sit well with me. Uh, Tim, where, where are you at on Vince McMahon? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. It just seemed like it was especially the ecw title just just what you said it just seemed like it was uh fu kind of like you know you guys whatever you didn't like wwf you you were hardcore fans whatever it it, it just seemed it seemed like a petty kind of like a petty jab at uh at the whole old school ecw uh before before he purchased it but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, I, I'm not a fan of of that um, uh, of Vince winning the world title because um, he wasn't a wrestler. Uh, yeah, he had matches, but he definitely was not what I would consider a professional wrestler. So, so yeah, I, I was not a fan of that. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I'm not, uh, <laughs> Eric. Uh, I'm kind. Of, I'm with you guys. Almost 100%. Like winning the WWF title, it kind of made sense for the storyline at the time, and it's his company. Fine, fuck it. You good? And it was over quickly. I, fine. But I, well, the ECW one, that was just he just was like, might as well pissed on it, wiped his ass with it. That's essentially what it what he did. You know, he yeah. just you know he just totally disregarded anything. Now look, I. I, I was not a big ECW fan, but yeah, I did. acknowledged what they brought to the table. Right. You know, you, you had to. If, if you were objective and you were truly a fan of the sport itself, not just one promotion or the other, you had to acknowledge what, what, what and how ECW changed the landscape of the business. Nobody can Absolutely. deny that if you're being honest. So Absolutely. for him to go the route he did with the ECW title, even though he owned the thing at the time and he had every right to do that. It didn't make it right. So I totally, I totally get that. Ray Vince McMahon. Uh, honestly, I think the biggest issue, I mean, I agree with Tim. Definitely. Uh, I, I don't like a rest, a non wrestler beating a wrestler, let alone for a title belt. I think the biggest Mr. Opportunity was that I, I don't think Vince was heel at the time, right? Because he vacated the belt like the next night or something. He definitely yeah, wasn't like both of those runs. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. I think he could have gotten more out of it. He <laughs> probably shouldn't have been the champion, but Hey, you know, you're a billionaire all like checks. in the company. Really? You know what I mean? Like not very much yeah. face. I mean, if if I won the lottery, I won a billion dollars. All four of us would start for the Red Wings tomorrow. So, 
My, my ankles are bad, pal. I can't be putting on ice skates. What the fuck are you doing to me? <laughs> All right, pistons it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, Ray, you talked about uh, non-wrestlers becoming champions. And uh, again, another perfect segue into my second to last person on my particular list here. This is no fault of his, but, you know, bless his heart. He's the one that gets shit on the most, especially when you talk about uh, the WCW world title. And I'm, of course, referring to David Arquette. Had the movie uh, Ready to Rumble not happened, David Arquette would have never been WCW champion. And the fact that uh, things were in, in the situation that they were in terms of how the show was booked and things of this nature around that time, you know, they were desperate to do anything to pop a number and to try to derail the growing momentum that WWE had, had acquired in more than surpassing WCW in the Monday night wars. By the time David Arquette comes along and they make the decision to put the title on him. WCW is like swirling the drain at this point. And, you know, again, David Arquette, say what you want. You know, the dude has so much passion for the business, legitimate passion. And nobody can can deny that. Like he was a fan and he loved what, what was happening. And he was doing what he was told. He didn't go into WCW saying, I'm a big, you know, movie star in Hollywood and you need to put the belt on me. It was nothing like that. It was this is yeah. this is how we're we're writing the script and this is what's happening. And like he I think he has said in in subsequent in interviews and things of this nature like he didn't want that goddamn title because he yeah. knew the backlash that that would come from it. He was a fan. He respected things of of, of that nature. You put somebody like Logan Paul or somebody in there. Now, I don't know if if he would have had the same approach at it. David Arquette just he was he was the wrong guy at the right at at the right time in my opinion. Uh Eric, where where are you at on on Arquette? Uh so I realized what like they they brought him in because of the Ready to Rumble movie which Call me crazy. I love that corny-ass fucking movie. Love it. A lot of people do. <laughs> but, and he's not, he's like a B, B to C, this celebrity, really, to me, like, so he's he's always the co-star, you know, he's never the, the leading leading man in anything, so what were they really going to, expected a big pop up in ratings because this co-star guy is, who's not a wrestler, is now the world champion like just it was bad bad call. well it's been true so you know like is what it is i think a lot of that at the time he was married to courtney cox and she was very much um, associated with the show friends which was right. the most popular tv show on the air at that time and like they made mention of her often whenever he was brought up. So how much of that was trying to get that rub off of her celebrity status? Because you're absolutely right, Eric. 
He was not what we we would call an A-list a celebrity. He was well, B-list. The Scream franchise was late 90s, early 2000s, one of the most successful franchises of all time. Wasn't because of him, no. No, he was not the main character. Well, no, he was not. He was not the no. main character. He did not get top billing in those. Well, strong, not, strong supporting, oh. yes. But you guys need to check out the movie Eight-Legged Freaks if you have not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to... I, that is that is a highly underrated movie, and he gets, top good. he gets top billing in that one. Yeah, I, mean, I love that movie. I mean, <laughs> uh, shout shout select got a, a really good uh, collector's edition of that, by the way. Anyways, uh, okay, where where you at on David Arquette, right? Everything in my being does not like him becoming champion. Like, I'm I'm a I'm a traditionalist. You know, I like original uh entrance attire uh music and you know i i like the old school and this goes against everything i like in wrestling the jeff jarrett wcw nwo era just terrible and uh i like i like that he doesn't hate wrestling you know not just like some jabroni came in like bob barker style and just embraced it and had a good time and just like uh cherry was saying i love ready to rumble man i was gonna make a joke earlier about Jimmy King and I thought nobody would laugh and I missed my opportunity. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, a uh, bad representation. Yeah. King me, King me, uh, free on YouTube with ads right now. If you want to watch it, it needs a Blu-ray release, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's everything wrong with wrestling to give David Arquette the title. I've heard the same story a thousand times over that he was not happy to win the belt and they pretty much made him, uh, <laughs> sounds like my run <laughs> wrestling. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I like his. I hate it, man. I hate it. There you go. I hate it. It's okay. terrible. Uh, Tim, were you paying attention to WCW at this time and David Arquette's run as a title as a champion? Where where does that rate on your list? Uh, I was actually yes. Um. And uh, hold on, there's some something weird going on here. What? What's going on? Weird. Come on, turn the camera, Doug. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so people were some. I don't know. Something's going on. People were sneaking up on me in my driveway. Anyway, <laughs> what? People were sneaking yeah. up on you. Jehovah's Witness. I think yep. that's. I think that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Jehovah's Return. Uh, so yeah, I, I actually stayed with WCW all the way to the very end, uh, unfortunately. Um, but no, I was not like, like Eric said, I mean, to me, it was just typical, typical Vince Russo crap at the time. And, uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I can sort of see what they were doing because like you said, they were swirling the drain at that point. They were, they were just throwing anything at the wall that they possibly could. And to get anybody talking about them at that point. And then with that movie coming out too, I can see it as nothing, you know, if I look at it from nothing but a promotional standpoint, I can see why they did it. I hated it. Um, my feelings are probably not as strong about it at this point. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just go, going back to the Vince McMahon thing, anytime that a non-wrestler wins a world title, especially... Well, I mean, both of them, but uh, yeah, especially that title. 
because it had meant so much to me at one point. Um, yeah, I, obviously, again, not a fan. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, what do you think about uh, Chucky hitting a promo on Rick Steiner? That, like, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about the finger point of doom being like the first sign the that they were point of doom. The, or whatever you call it, the finger, you know what I'm talking the about. The finger poke of doom. The finger poke. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. right. That, that's where I lost it for WCW. That's where I was. Like, kind but of I, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what a lot of people credit as the beginning of their downfall. To me, it was that Chucky promo. Uh, <laughs> Going against Rick Steiner and then Rick Steiner responding to it like he's real. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I could trace it, it back been... to fucking ro- Robocop. <laughs> but... uh, I was not a fan. I was so excited to rent that. I was not a fan of that at all either. You're right. Awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awful. Um, now, the last one that I have here. Um, you know, we just got done the last few minutes here talking about David Arquette and, um, another example was used earlier in the show, but that, that all that shit happened because of another guy that wound up putting him, booking himself as champion. That's Vince Russo. Um, Vince Russo is one of the most polarizing figures in the history of the modern era of professional wrestling. Um, What he brought to the attitude era for WWF in terms of writing and creative and things of that nature, he did a lot of good. And I have always been a supporter of Vince Russo, even before he came out as, you know, as the head writer and all this, like when he was, um, overseeing the WWF magazine. Like I subscribed to that magazine for as long as I can remember up until the final issue was published and you could see, and you could read the difference in how that magazine was presented when Russo took over as the editor in chief and subsequently would, would have, would have his own persona and column as Vic Venom. I have always appreciated Vince Russo for that. When he left WWF to go to WCW, I took that as such a personal hit because if you read his columns in the magazine that he wrote under a pen name, but you could tell that's how he felt at that time. It was very much pro WWF and anti WCW. It was on the pages. So when he's when he left WWF to go to WCW, I'm like, well, man, fuck you. How are you going to sit here and talk shit about this company? And then you're going to turn around and abandon the one that made you rich to go work for the competition. Now, we would find out later on why. And they're valid reasons. But to go to WCW and to pull some of the bullshit that he pulled there specifically with the whole bash at the beach thing with Hogan and Jarrett. Um, and that's, we'll tackle that on, on another day, but to, to write yourself in as the WCW world champion, um, like as much as I hated the, the David Arquette thing, 
that was out of his control, whereas the Vince Russo thing was very much in his control. Uh, Tim, what's your opinion here? So unlike you, but I but I didn't read that. I was not reading the WWF magazine anymore, so I wasn't familiar. I mean, I knew that he was Vic Venom when when he finally started writing for them or whatever. I was I was not a fan of that era. I was never a fan of Vince Russo. I was doing a radio show at the time. Listen to me. Go back and listen to those. And I rallied against Vince Russo from day one in WWF. Uh, I understand why they did what they did because in vice versa, what WCW did with David Arquette, they were throwing everything at the wall too because they had been getting lambasted up until that point. So they decided to go that route. Um, but as far as, as far as Vince Russo winning the belt, I felt like that was just a, Hey, Vince McMahon just did this. So I'm going to do what he just did. Sure. Um, bro. I mean, what's that? Bro. Swerve, yeah. we gotta swerve them. Swerve, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, I like I said, I was never a Vince Russo fan. I'm still not a Vince Russo fan. And um, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I've let a lot of that go, but I feel my blood pressure being raised even thinking about him right now. So uh, the next person can take over. Right. <laughs> Honestly, guys, it, it's crazy just to hear you guys talk about this because I, I really haven't thought about this like ever until you it was brought up just now in this podcast and obviously uh very disrespectful to the heavyweight championship uh one of the worst of all time i thought you were going to say jinder mahal but you know at least he's a wrestler and works out and works hard uh i guess what i'm getting at it's it's funny to look back in retrospect that like i guess i just didn't care i was like 10 years old when this happened and it's funny to think like how much i regarded the belt when like Goldberg beat Hollywood Hulk Hogan in Atlanta, like jumping on my bed, screaming, just it meant so much to me that they took the heavyweight title or world title, as we're saying, uh, to a point where even as a kid, I didn't care. You know, Vince Russo wins it. Okay, the belt don't mean shit. Jeff Jarrett's won it five times in the last four months. And (laughs) I mean, I guess... uh, fun in a negative way to bring a first full circle like that because i didn't feel the way uh that way uh, about the wwf title at the time that was the belt you know what i mean we had uh same year uh rock triple h iron man match at judgment day and shit like that like yeah that's right, right around the same time period yeah eric vince russo i felt like there's some legitimacy to Vince McMahon sending Vince Russo down there to kill it. Yeah. Like you could you there's there's a strong argument to that to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. go down there and, and, and infiltrate and just cause so much shit that it, it implodes from, from the inside out. And if you're gonna do that, put put good yourself a champion is yeah. definitely a good way to do that. Yep. Uh, let's go around the horn here real quick. Is there anybody that we did not talk about that is on your list of f- former champions that should have never been? Tim, we'll start with you. Uh, okay, I, I won't get into some of the NWA champions like we talked about that happened in a different country uh, that lasted for a day or two because basically the reason that they had to drop the title was because they were afraid for their lives. Uh 
But here is one that I felt should not have and probably would not have if it wasn't for the circumstances with his family, and that is Kerry Von Erich. Uh, I know a lot of people look at Kerry as some, uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say, like, not, not a hero, but, uh, like, I'll just put it this way. I had seen a lot about Kerry in the magazines. Uh mm-hmm. My cousins lived in Texas, and they they were like big. They weren't like big wrestling fans, but the Von Erichs were just humongous down there. So they liked the Von Erichs. I remember the first time I saw, I was able to watch World Class on ESPN. I was like, "You got to be kidding me! This is the guy that they're talking about." I thought he was the shittiest worker, and I still think that to this day. That match with Flair Ooh. was good, though. I mean, he's not the shittiest worker, but he's just not a good worker. Right. Uh, the match with Flair was good because of flair but it was so repetitive like all he could do at the time was and this is before his car accident so a lot of people try to use that against him uh no he was a shitty worker before he lost his foot um it was just the same they had to resort to the same thing uh carry press salmon slam and flair uh drop kick and flair whatever um and and like i said i don't think that that would have happened if david von eric wouldn't have passed away I think, again, it was kind of like a token gesture uh, of giving the belt to him because how long did he hold it? A week? And then Flair won it back in Japan, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same thing. Um, so the, the only other one that I would mention is maybe Otto wants winning the AWA world title, which was just kind of an odd choice, and I don't know the politics behind that. But uh, those are probably the only other two that I would have that we didn't already talk about. You bring you you brought up Kerry Von Erich and very very good example and you're right because David Von Erich was the one that was kind of pegged as if if any of the brothers was going to become a legit you know a, a legit star and world champion it was going to be him but you look at the remaining Von Erich brothers and you had to go with Kerry because he he stood out based solely on how he looked. He had a better physique. He was a better looking guy. The girls loved him. And like you said, had all that shit not happened with David. And it was actually at his memorial show in Texas stadium that he would win the title from flair. And you're right. That was a, that was a decent match because of it was Ric Flair. Um, so yeah, very, very good example there, especially with, with, with Kerry Von Erich. Um, Eric, what about you, man? A- anybody on, on your list that, w- that we didn't touch on? I think there's a few. They mentioned one, uh, Jinder Mahal. We yeah. all know why that happened, though. Of all the, what they do in Middle East now, getting that Saudi money. Oh, that was crazy. <laughs> um, modern day, like, more the more recent runs of Goldberg, I thought was shit. Never should have happened. Shouldn't have beat the Fiend. Was just I wasn't happy with that run at all. I was never a big Goldberg fan, anyways. But it was I was cool. Like when it happened in WCW, obviously no brainer to put it on. I mean, it's not a huge run. He's getting over with the crowd, but I don't think the you know more recent ones with him, they didn't. I, they just didn't that well with me. And the last one would be uh, Lex Luger. Just never really a Lex Luger fan. I don't, I, 
Never felt like he was the guy. He always had to have a rub from Sting in WCW. No one was wearing like like Luger merchandise. It never was a big fan of his ring work. He, he was another guy that changed because of how he looked. Jinder Mahal, um, like I, <laughs> great example here. Mark Henry is another one. I, I, you know, with all the talent that that guy had, I felt like. I wish if they were going to do something with him as world champion, I wish they would have gone a different route with it. Uh, but with Mahal, like they put him in, in that position because they needed an Indian poster child because they were really starting to establish their roots in India. And this is where Kali comes into play too, because he, you know, he was a big name. He's a big star, very recognizable. Jinder Mahal, say what you want like the guy's a decent worker he just and he and he looks like a million bucks whether it's legit or not it, you know that's a topic of, of, of discussion or not but like he was the right he was the right guy at the right time it just did not resonate with the hardcore fan base that is american based so great great examples there goldberg Again, you know the WCW stuff had to happen. You, uh, you, he had to be champion there. Um, coming into WWE after the fact, no, he should have never been a world champion in WWE. You know, he his star power was strong enough at that point to just be Goldberg. He didn't need to be world champion. So I, I'll, I'll grant you that. Ray, what what about you? As we uh, we we put a bow on this. Um, well, I guess I don't have like a very definitive answer, but something I thought of was kind of out of the box was maybe people that won the belt in no disrespect to their names, obviously, like uh King of the Ring ninety-eight, Kane winning the belt only for the fact that he dropped the belt back to Papa Raiden on Monday Night Raw. I think like in that regard. I wish he would have had a better run than just to give him the belt for one night just for that. And I think the same could be said about when Undertaker beat uh, Hulk Hogan for the title at uh, Tuesday Tuesdays in Texas and lost to back uh, Survivor Series. So I think, you know, the Brothers of Destru- Destruction both had like less than 24-hour or one-week title reign or whatever you want to say early in their careers. And I think in that regard, I for how much I respect both those guys in ring gimmick and work. I, I just wish like they would have had better runs. So that's my off the cuff kind of answer. Let, let me correct you in, in that taker won the title at the survivor series and lost it a handful of days later on uh, a handful of days later, Tuesday and, in Texas, uh, right? He, he lost it at Tuesday in Texas. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I understand that. I can I can understand that point of view. Kane would go on to have a longer title run as a world heavyweight champion uh, later on in his career. Um, but valid point as far as the 98 King of the Ring thing. So uh, with that, uh, is there anything else you guys want, want to add before we, we uh, get out of here this week? Uh, I just want to say uh, thanks for having us on, Jason. Obviously, the Turnbuckle Time Machine, fun little follow-up. Uh, nice to see Cherry on here. Tim, it's a pleasure as always. Hopefully, uh, new Tim is doing well. 
And uh, you should like and follow all the stuff close to the heart. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Thanks, Ray. I appreciate Thank that, you, pal. I was trying to segue, you son of a bitches. <laughs> Tim, any, anything else you want to add, pal? No, I think we covered it off. All right. Eric? I'm good, sir. All right. Well, it's great to have you guys on. It's always great to to bounce things off one, one another, have uh, have these types of conversations. And we invite all of you to stay tuned to all of our social media outlets, uh, KlausToTheHeart.net. Find us over on Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, show topic ideas, anything of the sort, we encourage all of your feedback. For Tim Williams, for Eric Cherry, for Ray Jackson, I'm Jason Klaus. We appreciate you tuning in and join us next time as we take a trip back to yesteryear here on the Turnbuckle Time Machine on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. <laughs>